0: I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCAD.com, And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening wildcat and jayhawk fans
1: and welcome to the drive sponsored by briggs auto group i am tim Fitzgerald at gopowercat.com and the man across the studio for me is scott chasen of fog.net it's here scott i got the bracket mm-hmm. i'm looking for k-state and kentucky and duke so they this is obviously an error they left off some very important components.
0: We'll get you an old bracket. I'm sure the three of them have made it in years past. I think they probably have.
1: Hey, folks, you can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show on Twitter at The Drive 13. And, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, the bracket is indeed out. Mm -hmm. Kansas earned a number three seed in the NCAA tournament after having to withdraw from the Big 12 tournament due to COVID-19. Scott, where do the Jayhawks stand as of Selection Sunday?
0: Well, here's the plan now. Kansas plans to be traveling up to Indy in the coming days, actually, I believe, tomorrow. And, and Kansas expects to be able to play. Kansas expects to have David McCormick and Tristan Enaruna, Aruna, who were ruled out for the Big 12 tournament due to COVID-19 protocol. It wasn't necessarily announced if they had COVID, if it was contact tracing. Um, they're expected back to have cleared the number of days, especially with Kansas playing on Saturday. Um, I think that's a bonus for KU with the first round already starting a day later. Uh, Instead of being Thursday, Friday, it's Friday, Saturday this year. And Kansas getting an extra, extra day with that first game taking place on Saturday. Now, Kansas had a positive test. Uh, Kansas has decided to withhold the name of that player and not say who it was, but it caused the Jayhawks to drop out of the Big 12 tournament. Uh, And that player will not be back uh, for the first two games. So no matter who that is, that obviously changes Kansas. Uh, in a pretty substantive way. If it's one of your wing guys, if it's a Christian Brown, if it's a Jalen Wilson, um, those are really important minutes, especially not knowing how rusty David McCormick will be, Jalen Wilson in particular. That's a guy who's played the five spot for Kansas. That's a guy who's been the leading rebounder for Kansas. So you know, he in particular would be a tough one to, to be without. Now, obviously, you don't want to speculate on who it is, but you would think it's probably not Marcus Garrett uh, or Ochai Abaji because they both spoke to the media today. So that, that's a pretty good starting point to go off of. And, hey, those are probably two of the most, you know, two of the three most important players on the team. So obviously the Jets will enjoy uh, having them, having them be available for uh, those first couple games. And Fitz, we'll yeah. talk about some bracket matchups here, but Kansas is in a bracket with good big men. Kansas is in a bracket with some great offenses. Kansas is in a bracket uh, with some great teams. The Jayhawks ended, ended the year red hot. I think they won eight of nine, four of those being ranked wins. They beat Oklahoma. Uh, they really dominated that game, even though Oklahoma did make it respectable and very close late for the first half was a 20-point margin. Kansas is playing, or I should say was playing its best ball at the right time. Now we're going to see how COVID affects the team. Now we're we're going to see what absences due to this team, uh, because Kansas is going to face some really tough matchups as early as the round of 32.
1: And up until the very end, Kansas navigated this COVID environment mm-hmm. really well, and then it caught up to them.
0: It's just the worst time. Yeah, it was it was really flawless. They hadn't they'd missed one game because of an opponent. Uh, mm-hmm. Their issue, Kansas had been able to add a game uh, because, like you said, they'd done so well. But it it did catch up and and, you know they caught an unlucky break down the stretch well fitz kansas state's season ended with a six-point loss to baylor in the quarterfinals of the big 12 tournament but bruce weber's wildcats won four of their final six games what changed for the cats
1: Uh, it was remarkable scott i just couldn't believe how much better this team got as the season progressed not offensively they were still challenged on the offensive end but defensively this team got dramatically better uh, and you could just look at the Baylor results throughout the season. They, you know, their second Big 12 game of the year was a 31-point home loss to Baylor. Then they went down to Waco, uh, and the, really, what I think is the low point of the season was that 48-point loss, the biggest loss in school history uh, in terms of margin of defeat. Uh, and then they turn around in Kansas City, and yeah, Baylor's not playing as well. But to have you know that game really go to the wire, K-State was competitive until the final minutes of it when. You know, I thought Baylor was going to break it open there in the second half. They got up by like 12, and K-State reeled them back in. It was really impressive. And it all started on the defensive end, and once this team got a little defensive confidence going, they seemed to relax on offense, uh, and Nigel Pack was was pretty good uh, in the tournament. Uh, it, it was just really impressive to see how much they grew up, and I, I couldn't believe uh, how the defense transformed this team because— Uh, They went from a a group of young guys that really didn't know how to defend the way Bruce Weber likes it done because there are a lot of uh, moving pieces to that defense and once it clicked it really clicked and what's even more remarkable about it to me is they started the season with eight newcomers and four returning players. By season's end two of those four were gone. Montavious Murphy uh, out with knee injuries and I don't know if he'll be back and Antonio Gordon shut it down and he didn't play at the end of the season we think he uh, left the team and will be in the transfer portal so they really got even younger as the season went on uh, with only Mike McGirl and DeJuan Gordon being the only guys with Big 12 tournament experience and and they went in there and beat TCU again They, they took two from TCU in the that final stretch of games they beat Iowa State they upset Oklahoma really put Oklahoma started them into the tailspin and it was, just, it was amazing how much better they got. And, you know, I wrote a column. I couldn't believe that it seemed like the season ended too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, after everything that the fans and the team and the coaching staff went through, at the end of the season, you're like, ah, I wish they could have a couple more games. And I didn't think that was any way possible mm-hmm. I'd have that feeling. Well, uh, Scott, you've seen the whole bracket. Uh, which Big 12 teams do you think could run, go on a run in March Madness?
0: well Fitz it is an interesting bracket because like you were talking about so much of this is just about how good basketball are you playing right now at the end of the year and you know Kansas State hanging with Baylor and a team two teams like you said earlier in the year they weren't you know playing on the same court in terms of a level of competition now I think there are a few big 12 teams that intrigue me a couple that don't Oklahoma State that drew uh, I would say the Cowboys drew it an impossibly hard uh, path and task with having to face Tennessee early on. Uh, and then, you know, okay, you get by Tennessee, you get rewarded with Illinois, who's probably playing as good or better than anyone in the nation not named Gonzaga. Now, Texas, who won the Big 12 tournament, that's a really interesting team to me because of their matchups as the three seed. I'm not sure Alabama um, will have necessarily seen the quality, size, and athletes and veterans, uh, veteran play um, that Texas can throw at them. Um, I think Texas has some battle-tested guys who are capable of of maybe even getting to Michigan, maybe getting through Michigan, maybe making a Final Four, doing something. Although a lot of that will be dependent, too, on on the way the coaching matchups work out. Well documented that Shaka Smart has struggled uh, out of the first weekend, making it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, except for one time when he did go on a Final Four run. Now for Baylor, I think Baylor has a great opportunity with Purdue and Villanova as the four and five seeds in that region to go far in the tournament. I think it's tough. I, I think it's harder this year. The matchups for more Big 12 schools than not. Kansas, I think, has some really tough matchups. They'll face, uh, you know, they'll have to face Iowa, team like Gonzaga. Those are two really, really good offenses. By the way, USC is a big man that could absolutely test the Jayhawks too. Uh, Oklahoma at an eight seed, no chance. They're not making it past their second game. So, you know, some good for the Big 12. I think Texas is probably the team that was seeded most favorably. Maybe Texas Tech can go on a run, but not a lot of great options, Fitz, if you're picking Big 12 routes.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't think the committee did the Big 12 many favorites. I thought Oklahoma State was kind of low at a 4. They were playing as well as anyone in the country by season's end. West Virginia as a 3 with Houston as the 2. I thought was a little odd. I would have probably flipped those, but uh, credit to Houston. That's a pretty good ball team. I mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't like a lot of these matchups for the Big 12. Yeah. And uh, I think Gonzaga, uh, you know, Kansas and Oklahoma are in that bracket, that region with them. And I think Gonzaga's got a, a pass to the Final Four. If Gonzaga can't win this, you know, this bracket, uh, then we're overvaluing them. Mm-hmm. They would just all Yeah. Now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exterior. Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate.
0: Well, last week's question was, who wins the Big 12 tournament. And for Mm. at least 83% of you, you might've Mm. got this one wrong. Baylor had 50%, Kansas 27%, West Virginia 5%. Another Big 12 team at 18%. Let's pretend that everyone in there said Texas.
1: Yeah, yeah, good enough. I wouldn't (laughs) have picked Texas in that. This week's question is, will a Big 12 team reach the Final Four? And we have a variety of answers for you. A, yes, but only one. B, yes, more than one, which means up to seven, I think. Yeah. Uh, C, no. That's pretty Mm self-explanatory right there. Vote on our Twitter page at TheDrive13.
0: Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.
1: Welcome back to the drive as we continue our weekly two minute drill. The two minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Well, Scott, it's been a busy week for Kansas football too. Les Miles is out as coach. Jeff Long is out as athletics director. What's the status of the searches to fill those positions?
0: Well, Fitz, I'll try and sum it up quickly here. (laughs) Kansas is going to hire an athletic director first. That's kind of the plan to navigate through these next two, three weeks and then decide what to do with the coaching position. Now, both the AD spot and the coaching job for Kansas, it's a little bit more attractive than I think a lot of people realize and might think in terms of the interest that's already growing. And the reason why is, the guy you see on the screen, Les Miles, obviously the ending was not good. The accusations that came from his time at LSU, not good. But what he did do is, torpedo his career record for two seasons by committing to a full high school rebuild. So whoever Kansas hires this time around, as compared to two years earlier, will have the added benefit of having 50 high school recruits in the program as compared to maybe JUCO players, maybe much more of a scholarship deficit. Kansas is about one recruiting cycle away from being at a full 85 names, which is the mark Kansas has been chasing for uh, over half a decade, I guess, at this point. So from that perspective, reason to think you can find someone or or things can be good, but also fits the timing of this is just absolutely atrocious for Kansas. The Jayhawks named Emmett Jones their interim coach. That was a decision they pretty much had to do. They had appointed Mike DeBoard, the acting head coach or whatever, and I came in and spoke about this last week, but the optics of that were horrible. You had Jeff Long, a Michigan man, promoting another Michigan man to fill the spot the other Michigan man was in. It it was just, um, it, it didn't look good. And Mike DeBoard was new there. He didn't have relationships with players. When I talk about scholarship numbers and the status of these searches, it's paramount to to note that whoever Kansas hires, this is a tipping point for the Kansas football program for the Kansas athletic department. If this hire goes poorly, you could see a bunch of players leave and, and the program could be right back in that situation they were before Les Miles was hired, maybe sometime in the David Beatty era with horrible scholarship numbers. If they nail it, if they keep everyone around and have another big recruiting class, well, all of a sudden, you're talking about being at 85 names and competing. So whatever they do, they got to get it right. Fits athletic director first, coach next. There's been interest in both. A couple names, Terry Mohajer, Banks Floodman. I think there will be some interest in both positions, but they have to get it right. It's very important right now.
1: A lot of stuff going on at KU. We could do a whole (laughs) show on that Actually, Busy
0: week, busy Mm -hmm. week. Well, Following K-State's loss to Baylor, Bruce Weber was asked about rumors of his possible retirement. Fitz, what are you hearing about this? This is
1: really interesting because Bruce said uh, he doesn't know where this came from, where this talk came from. Um, and, and it really had stayed off social media. We've been hearing about this for quite a while. And we addressed it at Go Powercat for our subscribers, so there was a lot of moving parts to this. But it was actually a reporter covering Maryland sports huh, that tweeted out he's hearing Bruce Weber will retire. Well. Bruce said that's news to me Um, but you know in all fairness let's just say he is thinking about that and he did confide in someone who then spread it because folks if you're sitting at home I I need you to know something if you ever want to keep a secret don't tell coaches because that coaching circle is the biggest rumor mill gossip factory ever I mean it this spread all across the country, and I was hearing it out of the coaching profession, and I imagine the reporter Maryland was hearing it out of the coaching profession. Uh, who's that? Maryland as a head coach? So, you know, I mean, it all kind of intertwines here. I think it's possible he does retire because uh, if, it, if there is something to this, he's not going to say 30 minutes after his season's ending, yeah, I'm gonna retire. I mean, you just, you wouldn't do that. Um, because if he is going to retire, uh, he would stay on with the, the athletic department in some form probably and uh, you don't want to destroy the program by you know, the transfer portal is mm-hmm. a big deal and he's had problems with players transferring I think now the way they finished the season if there was ever a thought of him retiring I, he probably will be back. Gene Taylor the AD has been very clear. Bruce Weber is the basketball coach at Kansas State and he has no intention of removing him unless something happens after the season off the court. Could that mean if some of these key players transfer, yeah, I, I would think so. That would be a, a reason to make a change because if you're rebuilding, if the players you're using to rebuild leave, then what was it all about? So um, it's, it's very interesting. I think there's uh, a lot of people kind of ready for a change, but then again, this team came a long ways down the stretch, and it probably everyone's kind of wanting to stay the course uh, as we complete the season. It's yeah. it really interesting.
0: Fitz, and and you talked about it, keeping a team together, Kansas football going through the same thing. You promote Emmett Jones' interim coach because he's the guy the players want. 20 of them tweeted their support for him. The hope is to keep everyone there and together.
1: Good. Now we step out of bounds, and out of bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years.
0: Well, here we go, Fitz. It's the best time of the year for sports fans. The bracket is picked, so let's go through the uh, the bracket and pick our final four teams, and uh, we'll we'll get started wherever you want to go here. Uh, yeah, Aaron,
1: what just pulling up? Let's get a, go here. We're going to go to the west. Um, I, this is what Kansas is in. Um, I think Gonzaga's got, as I said earlier in the show, a path to the final four. I, I don't know how you feel. I think Gonzaga's coming out of this bracket.
0: I like Gonzaga. I like Iowa. I think Virginia, if healthy, has a shot to test them. But yeah, if it's a, I don't know how you go anywhere else other than Gonzaga. It really seems like they're the team. Uh, maybe Virginia, depending the COVID situation there, but I don't really buy Creighton, Oklahoma, Missouri. Any of them really testing them?
1: Very good. Okay. Next, Next up, we have uh, the East. Michigan really hit the skids down the stretch here, and I, I'm not sold on Michigan. I think they're in trouble. I like the three seed, Texas. Mm-hmm. I do. I think Texas is playing well. I think uh, I think this is shock a smart season to get Texas going. Alabama's. Uh, I just can't get a grasp on Alabama. Mm -hmm. Really good team, but man, they don't feel like a two seed to me.
0: Yeah, I I don't know that they necessarily have the size or will be experienced enough against size like Texas has in athleticism to be able to hang with them. Obviously, Michigan State, a little bit scary when they pop pop up as your 11 just because of what they've done, but also this Michigan State is not the same as some of those previous uh, Michigan State teams. And then, you know, obviously, hey, you look at the top of the region, Michigan, you know, Colorado is a team that, that a lot of the analytics models really like, really value, so maybe they're interesting, but... You know, this is as good a draw as Texas could have hoped for. If you're Texas, if you're Shaka Smart, do something with it. This is the best team you'll ever have.
1: South region, how do you feel about Baylor right now? They're just not the same they were before their COVID break.
0: Yeah, I think defensively, they don't really have that same intensity. I don't know if it's stamina. I don't know if it's, you know, whatever, but I will say the good thing for them, I really like a lot of these matchups once they get past that 8-9. I think the 8-9 is almost scarier um, than what you would see, you know, one round later, and then obviously Villanova having some injury issue. I don't think they get tested there. I'm most interested in the bottom half of this bracket fits. You have Texas Tech as a sixth seed. I think they are dangerous. I don't really believe in Arkansas. I, I don't totally know what to think about Ohio State. I like Texas Tech coming out of there and meeting them in the Elite Eight.
1: Very good. Final region here, then. We're going on to the, what, Midwest?
0: Midwest region.
1: Here we go. Illinois, man, uh, they just rolled through that Big Ten tournament. I know they went to overtime, but they were really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. I got the Illini. I think the Illini are winning this whole thing. I think they're just absolutely on
0: fire right now. Tough tests for both Oklahoma State and Tennessee. Mm. Whoever meets Illinois is going to be battle-tested. You look at the bottom, you know, West Virginia, Houston, if it gets to that matchup in the Elite Eight, I think that could be a lot of fun. But, yeah, it's hard to pick against Illinois right now, Fitz. They're the team that that I think them and Gonzaga are going to have a huge percentage of people picking them to win it all. They're they're playing very well right now.
1: Well, it's going to be a fun, fun march, (laughs) strap in. Games start on a, on Friday. Well, actually, the first four games are on Thursday, but yeah. the first round's Friday, Saturday this year, so a little bit different.
0: Well, now let's hear from the fans.
1: Our fan question this week is, Scott, which team in the Kansas region is the scariest? Well. That's from Liz and Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I, fits. some people are pointing to Wichita State. They you know don't want to see that, especially recent memory losing to them. That Wichita State team, again, not this one. Uh, most models, uh, RPI, the NCAA's net ranking, have Wichita State outside the top 70. This was a team that uh, was on the bubble, obviously gets to a play-in game. But, you know, obviously Gonzaga and Iowa, those are some scary matchups because of what those teams can do offensively, both playing around a big man USC is the one that interests me. If you go by some of the analytic models like I've been referencing, They're much closer to being a three or a four seed. They have a big man in Evan Mobley, a five-star recruit, the number three player in the nation coming into the year. That's someone who will test Kansas, especially with David McCormick missing 10 days or whatever for COVID protocol. That matchup is really tough for Kansas. Very good. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive.
1: Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page. At the drive 13. here are last week's results. The viewers, I'm proud of you. You <laughs> went three and0. Scott went two and one. Someone else participated. That does not want to be mentioned. Look at that record, Scott. Look at my record that there's never been anything i'm, I'm canceling myself mm. i'm taking the cancel culture to me, me myself <laughs> i'm out
0: you're about six weeks too late on that
1: Fitz. man it's just awful let's get going with this week's picks and we start with ku an 11 and a half point favorite over eastern washington scott you're...
0: kansas gets a good matchup here Fitz. i will take kansas but the other matchups after this not so much
1: uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Eastern Washington on that spread. I think it could be a little bit closer.
0: Next, Texas Tech, five and a half point favorite versus Utah State, Fits. Ah, uh, I'm, I'm,
1: I just picked two Big 12 teams for the, the final four, and yet I'm gonna pick against <laughs>
0: Texas Tech too. I, I
1: like Utah State.
0: Yeah, I'll take Tech.
1: Here is our last game of the week. It's Oklahoma, Missouri. Oklahoma's a slight favorite, but we put it mm-hmm. up just as a pick em to make it easy on us. I say go Tigers. <laughs> I will take the Sooners, but Fitz, I could see it going either way. To recap, Scott picked the Big 12, and I didn't. <laughs> Again, make your picks on the Twitter page. That probably bodes well for the Big 12. At the Drive 13, it's now time for our On the Clock segment. And On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. by local for a strong
0: local community. Scott. Well, I mentioned just before the break here that Emmett Jones had been a guy who had local support from players. Some 20 of them took to Twitter on Wednesday evening to say they wanted Emmett Jones put in that coaching position. I think that's important for Kansas, not just that the players would know who they want to stay in the program, but also that they're having a voice, that they're out there using it, that they see their program going through uncertainty and they said hey, I want to control some of this. I want some of this stuff to be in my hands. So uh, good on them. Emmett Jones is the interim coach. I think he might even get a chance, Fitz, to coach out into 2021, depending on how things go.
1: Well, K-State fans, I know it was a long, frustrating basketball season, but just look down the road at Lawrence. You know, it kind of makes you happy. It's not you. Someone else is having a bad week too, aren't they? Well, that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.